the Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyse. A self-contained podcast, who knows how long, located between your ears. A place of discussion and fun for newcomers and veterans. A shining download online. All alone on the web. It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting. The year the Introcast War came upon us all. This is the story of the Babylon 5 Introcast. The year was 2014. The show down below. Hello everyone, welcome back to Down Below, a Babylon 5 podcast. Um, as you can hear, this is a Heidi posting this week. Uh, Will is uh, having fun on vacation. So, <laughs> I'm Heidi. I'm Ann. And I'm Elizabeth. And with us today, we have Yan. Yan, the hey, Babylon welcome back, Yan. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, it's always good to have you on board. Hello everybody. Hello. What have you been up to then since the last time we've had you on? Oh, well, I have uh, been to the World Convention for Science Fiction, also known as LONCON 3, two weeks ago, and uh, did a little Babylon 5 work there. Oh. I, uh, yes, so, th- so I thought. <laughs> uh, I went there with uh, uh, some stuff from the free Babylon 5 uh, uh, movement, let's call it a movement, a movement for getting Babylon 5 back on TV. Uh, by at least in repeats, isn't it? At least, at least yeah. in repeats. Preferably, of course, more. But uh, simply having letter writing, having making making some noise about Babylon Five. And one of the things is that when we go to conventions, some of us go there as ambassadors and give away buttons or badges. Uh, I also had some uh, temporary tattoos. <laughs> and a few uh, ribbons you could connect, you could uh, stick to your to your convention badge. So that was that. I went around. I talked to about well, probably a hundred fans or a hundred people, wow. and uh, about well, seventy, eighty percent of them were actually uh, B five fans. That was a bit more than I expected. Well, that's really awesome. You know, it's one of those shows that everyone's seen. It seems, but. No one tends to talk about it that often. That's true. That's true. So I did get I did get to give away uh, a fair amount of those badges. Uh, there was also on Saturday evening a Babylon Five fan meeting. It was set right at the same time as the masquerade, so you can imagine that uh, reduces the uh, uh, attendees. But we were about forty, fifty people, so uh, I don't think we should complain at a convention of about well. 10,000, uh, I think 8,000 attending members. So it's a rather large, uh, uh, Worldcon. I think the largest, uh, ever. And it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of other stuff going on, of course. By, by far over a thousand program points. So you could never go to everything. Now it oh, seems okay. like it covers everything really, doesn't it, Worldcon? As it does. Although it's slightly slanted towards writing and uh, literature. But, uh, yeah, people come from every walk of life in science fiction there. No doubt about it. Cool. All right. Did you want so, to update us on the panels you attended? Uh, no, there were no special B5 panels, just this uh, little fan meeting where we just oh, met okay. and, talked, and talked. 
But, but I, there is a big panel you've been to in the past that yeah. kind of... Yeah, I, I know you've been wanting to talk about this, so just go <laughs> yes. ahead. Yes, you know that. Uh, last year at Phoenix Comic Con, JMS said to the fans, there was a big Babylon 5 reunion meeting. He said, this panel on Friday to the fans, be there, I'm going to make good on a promise I made 19 years ago. And you can imagine the speculation went around. 19 years ago, that fits with Michael O'Hare's departure from, from the series. So, uh, yes, we guessed right that that was uh, the subject, but we didn't know the real story, which you have heard uh, more or less. But sitting there with a few hundred other fans in a completely quiet room, having JMS telling the story of Michael O'Hare's struggle to get through also telling that the fans at the conventions lifted him up, held him up. So it was uh, very emotional. You could uh, hardly find a dry eye. I, can, I, I uh, think you can imagine that. And uh, it was sad, but also because of the, the little story, uh, also because of the little story about, uh, about the fans lifting up. It was also uplifting. So this is uh, a moment where both Michael O'Hare and JMS arose in my uh, estimation very, very much, both of them. So that's my story. Wow, that's cool. It's cool that you were there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I really hope people haven't skipped forward and, you know, do listen to the story t- we present in the first episode of season two of yes. the reasons why Michael O'Hare had to leave. And yes. it's very moving and... <sighs> The yeah. guy had so much courage for what what he went through. That was one of the things that uh, JMS uh, stated very, very strongly, the admiration for the courage of doing this. Uh, so, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, well, should we get to this week's episode? Yes, we okay. should. Okay. Okay, so this episode is episode three from season two, The Geometry of Shadows. It was written by JMS and directed by Mike Lawrence Behar. Is that how you say that? Yeah, uh, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce his name, but he's done a fair bit of other stuff. He, he's largely uh, done a lot of um, fantasy, I mean sci-fi, including uh, Star Trek DS9, Voyager and Enterprise. He also actually went on to work on uh, JMS's short-lived series called Jeremiah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, uh, there's a good working relationship there with JMS. And it was originally aired on the 16th of November, 1994. Okay. Um, Do you want to do trivia here, Ian, or as we go through the recap? I kind of got it staggered throughout the recap, but... That's fine. I will start off by saying why JMS has stated what the uh, meaning of this episode is all about. <laughs> he kind of sees it as an, ala- an, an analogy to Technomages, that they're a mixture of science and something dark and mysterious. He says, kind of, how do you work out the geometry of something that doesn't really exist, but is a projection of something that does exist? And that's kind of why he chose the title. Okay. Hello again. Oh, were you gone? (laughs) Oh, I was gone, yeah. Yeah, I was was just saying um, that JMS named this episode after the Technomages themselves. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, briefly before we get on to anything else, um, he also mentions that 
He really uh, liked the Technomage design, the outfits on this, and uh, um, the costume designer, Anne Bruce, did a really good job on this, he thinks. I agree. Yeah, I think so too. They looked cool. Yeah, and I've got other trivia um, as and when it comes up. Okay, sounds good. All right, well, let's get to our ISN special report. This is an ISN special report. The effect of the Drazi dominant ceremony was felt on Babylon 5. This ceremony caused several injuries and deaths on board the station. Newly promoted Commander Susan Ivanova was able to defuse the situation. Also, three Technomages passed through the station. We were not able to ascertain their final destination, but we do know that one of them had an audience with Captain Sheridan and Ambassador Londo Malari. We'll keep you up to date as we discover more. This has been an ISN special report. Uh, first of all, Franklin is trying to do an evaluation on Garibaldi, and Garibaldi's not really sure about going back to work. Yeah, I, what I got from this scene is kind of more... Garibaldi's kind of got the same opinion you and Elizabeth do. He's not sure of this captain. He doesn't know what to expect, and he think he doesn't trust him. Mm-hmm. He hasn't earned anybody's trust yet, I don't think. That, that's that's what he clearly states. And the other thing is, of course, he still has his doubts about his abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a major effect, and it's shaking him up. And it's good to see that character progression. Uh, I, I, you, the events have really had an impact on how he views himself. Mm-hmm. To be betrayed like that, you know, you can... You can see how he would think that not that not seeing through someone who would betray him as a security officer would be kind of disturbing. Definitely. Then we go to um, Londo being praised for the attack on the Narn, and um, this character Rifa is uh, is talking to him and how maybe he could become the new emperor. Yeah, so Reefer in this scene is played by an actor called William Forward, and although he's only really had a succession of guest roles on a lot of things, he has been in a couple of things you might recognise. He was on X-Files once, and he was actually in Buffy. He was the Doctor um, in Season 5 of Buffy. I don't want to be too spoilerific here, but... Uh, There's a certain oh. thing that happens in season five. Uh, okay. Yeah. I know. Exactly and who I remember about. that scene. I remember that scene, but I didn't realise it was the same actor. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of hard to tell from the hair, makeup, different hair. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And speaking also- of hair, well, that is yeah, that yeah, funny. yes. Uh, in this scene, though, we do get to see Via cutting Londo's hair. <laughs> yeah. Via as a hairdresser, yes. <laughs> so, are they confirming that um, that Centauri hair has to be uh, arranged that way every day <laughs> instead of just naturally springing up <laughs> straight? I think I was always wondering about that. How much time does he spend on his hair? Yeah, you've got to wonder. I mean, uh, there's. I remember a scene back in Born to the Purple when he was getting up from sleeping and his hair's all askew. So. 
he's got to do some preening at some point, and I think that's jobs Liz. I mean, so Veer's. Poor Veer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, which, yeah. as I, you bring up Born to the Purple, I must say that that title works for this episode. Yes, yes it does. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another thing. Have you really noticed Veer's face, facial expressions when the discussion is going on? I don't think I uh, did. Yeah, once again, he's, he's listening to what's going on here. He, yeah. he's an active participant of this conversation. He's not just there in the background cutting Londo's hair. He's not saying anything, but his facial expressions tell a story. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and Londo, again, is getting into a deal with someone that seems quite dodgy. <laughs> Very questionable. Oh, Londo. <laughs> well, they they yep. changed they changed up his quarters though, right? I mean, his quarters look different, don't they? Maybe a little bit. They they seem the same to me, but they're shot from a different angle, I think. Because most of the time, you see it from the other point of view, where you're seeing the kitchen area. I think of I, I think that's the major difference. You're just seeing it shot differently. Mm-hmm. Was that portrait of him always there? I, I can't so. remember, but yeah, probably he was. Londo's that sort of guy who would have a portrait of himself up in his quarters. <laughs> That's the first time I've noticed it, I think, but yeah, it was pretty cool. And then we get into an alien bar fight. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the drowsy. we do, the drowsy. Yeah, that's pretty much all we see before the opening credits, so that's all I have. Because <laughs> that's what it seems like to begin with. Yeah, and now you've actually had a chance to see the opening credits. I want to hear your thoughts. I like them. They, like, I I like the way that they've um, put, like, you know, scenes of each person in and stuff, rather than just having the names float across the screen. Yeah, and you yes. can see why we didn't want you to see them as uh, well, because... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been bad. What did you think, Elizabeth? Oh, yeah. No, I, I like that, too. Um, yeah, I like that they have the faces there. Um, I still prefer, I think, the music from the first season better, but, yeah, I like them. You yeah. still not getting used to this um, season's music, then? No, no, I, I, it's, it's fine. I just, I kind of like the, I guess, the more, the slower, I guess, music in the first season. Right. Well, this this is a little more dramatic, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, I, th- I think it actually fits with what's happening in the whole episode this time because although a lot of the content you could argue could be a season one episode, the tension has been ramped up. It feels like there's something brewing that you know it's no longer just this space station out to preserve the peace. That there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we see Rifa leave, and uh, Londo sees a techno mage, or actually three of them. Three of them. Oh yes, it's our first appearance of Elric, and it's played by Michael and Sarah. Um, he's actually been in TV for a long time. He started work in 1944, and it might have been uh, film credits back then. I don't know when TV started in um, the US. 
Um, but he's been most well known for his roles back in uh, 1956, um, the TV series called Broken Arrow, which was a western, and he played a character called Chief Colsheen. Oh, I think that's how you pronounce it anyway. Uh, apparently, it was quite popular at the time, around for four years. Um, and the other thing he's well known for is playing one of the first Klingons on the original Star Trek. Yes, the original, one of the original Klingons. Oh, yes, he, he played a character called Kang. And I think he actually, um, he's credited at least as Kang in DS9 and Voyager in episodes. Yes, he, he came back to, to reprise the, ro- the role in DS9, I think. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it, you might not have heard him before, but this actor had some prestige to him. And Absolutely. oh, yes, he, uh, I enjoyed his performance here as well. Yes, sadly, yeah, sadly, he, he died last year, as with everyone else on Babylon 5. Another one, yes, yeah. <laughs> the death count is just it's, it just it's, gets higher and higher. I know. Um, so the Technomages, they use technology to appear to do magic. Is that kind of the, the I don't know, what they are? Yeah, basically, it's, they're using technology to simulate magic. Okay. Yes. I like them. Like, I'm sad that they went away. I'm like, come back, yeah. Technomages. They're, they're a really lovely concept. Um, yeah. And I don't know whether you caught it, but... They're not just a group of humans. He, you know, they can come from any race. Okay, that I didn't. Yeah. That I didn't really get. That, that was something Lundo said. Okay. Oh, this. He said, "Oh, this one seems to be a human." Okay. Yeah. I uh, didn't. And, the, and that they had had dealings with them before. The first emperor. That must have been quite a while ago. Yeah. yeah. So is and that just got... like a is that just like a story passed down to or. Do they have these lifespans that just go on and on? Well, this is the thing. Technomages are so mysterious, aren't they? Um, But I do like the idea of this is an order that you can join and you can come from any race, but you'll end up being this mysterious technomage figure. And they've just got some... It's a great concept that has really mystery behind it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I hope they do come back. There's one more thing to say about it. Remember what Arthur C. Clarke said? Oh, Any yes. sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah, oh, I've got yeah. a note yes. on that, because Sheridan later kind of almost paraphrases that with something he says. Yes. We'll get to it uh, when we get to it, I suppose. Okay. Uh, then we see Ivanova explaining the Drazi situation to Sheridan, and he makes her a commander. Oh, yes. That was a surprise. To most people, it was. Apparently, there was a um, comic published in between seasons where she got a promotion through different channels, apparently, and there was some confusion over that. But JMS kind of explained it as, no, both stories are true, except we're hearing two people tell the same story, if you get what I mean. Oh, yeah. You've got yep. the, what goes on in the comic, and then you've got what Sinclair, I mean, Sheridan, <laughs> said to Ivanova. Um, and I think basically, yeah, yeah, um, whatever happened in the comic, it must have happened after, uh, Sheridan filed some paperwork or something like that. Yeah. I, I love Sheridan's comment. 
I decided you should learn the fine art of diplomacy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm. He pretty much just didn't want to deal with it. And yes. once again, once again, he's drinking orange juice. Yes. And yeah, there's a commentary for this episode done by uh, Bruce Box, Leitner, Call Audrey Christian, and Jerry Doyle, um, Sheridan, Ivanova, and um, Garibaldi. And one of the things I do mention is how much early on he seemed to be into his oranges. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I just think <laughs> I was like thinking about that because, I mean, he brings up orange blossoms later and I'm just like, he's really into fruit. <laughs> he just likes fruit in general. So I assume that commentary is spoilery. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. not as much as other commentaries, but, yeah, it's got spoilerific bits uh-huh. in it. Well, especially because they used to do the DVD commentaries after the, like, after they had done more seasons. Yeah. Oh, by the time these DVDs had come out, all the whole thing had mm-hmm. been and gone for about yeah. ten years, actually. Yeah, even the Buffy commentaries, the early seasons, are very spoilery for later ones. Uh, then we see a scene of the... Techno mages, I guess, a meeting of them. They're, I'm not exactly sure what was going on here. There was writing in the air and seemed like a secret password of some sort. Yeah, yes. these uh, things are basically, you know, a sign, I suppose. And uh, JMS says it, they, their symbols and stuff were a combination of uh, mathematical equations and runes. Okay. Which I think is a nice little touch. Mm-hmm. It was a cool scene. I just wasn't exactly sure what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess it was a, a good way of showing us a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit of what they do in terms of like magic. Uh-huh. And then also showing us that they're a very secret, you know, uh, members only type of society. So I guess it sort of killed two birds there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we find out that Veer may or may not believe in fate, and uh, Londo thinks that he needs to be seen with a Technomage. This is uh, a good, um, be a little speech, I think. I, mean, it, it, I like it. <laughs> How about yeah. the currents? The currents yes. of the Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> the ones you should follow are the ones that look like the others. <laughs> and then Londo just undercuts it all and he just wants that to be, uh, uh, he must be used to Veer rambling on <laughs> by now I think yes yeah we get a peek into the head of Veer it's a scary place <laughs> and it's, also, then, it's also yeah. interesting to see especially in the previous scene with, with Rifa how much Veer has grown since the beginning yeah in the beginning he would never have put up these uh, rather disapproving faces well, Londo wouldn't have, yeah. Um, and I don't think he would have dared make them. No. Okay, so Sheridan talks to Garibaldi about coming back to work. Wait, was this the, wait, what did, the scene we just talked about? Is that where Veer took the drink and then he fell down? Yes. Yeah, oh my Veer, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, that was quite brilliant a bit of, Yeah, brilliant bit of physical comedy there. Yeah. <laughs> that must have been a strong drink. Uh, quite strong. It's too funny. And of course, he doesn't out. have uh, Londo's constitution of years of drinking. No. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, very much. And then, uh, as you said, Heidi, you've got the scene where um, 
Sheridan talks to Garibaldi, but just before Sheridan comes in, um, Garibaldi's playing with the PPG. Oh, yeah. He looks quite contemplative, he, almost as if he's wondering whether he should continue, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's a little bit of darkness there. Yeah, in this um, scene during the commentary, uh, they're kind of talking about how, yeah, early on they kind of had a nickname for Sheridan because he was going around smiling a lot and had his quaff of um, brown hair. They called him the Golden Retriever. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I love it. Yeah, uh, there's more to the story that, you know, when you have the chance to listen to you know, it's quite funny because most of this commentary is fluff, but it's good fluff. They've got a great dynamic still. And, you know, they, there's other things like they're talking about how thin they all are and how young they're all looking. Yeah, <laughs> I love cast commentaries for that. Like, I really enjoy writers and directors and whatever and, and the insight that they give you. But sometimes the cast commentaries are just so funny. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, uh, they also, they, they've got other anecdotes like, you know, how they're always nervous going through the doors because they were actually quite heavy and they didn't want them to hit them on the head. <laughs> <laughs> so if you watch them, like, hurry through each doorway as they're walking, that's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. All right, so next, Ivanova gets frustrated in the green versus purple debate, and another fight gets started. Yeah, in the scene, um, you're seeing an actor you've seen several times before, but I'm sure you don't recognize him. Mm. Kim Strauss plays... Kim Strauss. Uh, yeah, Kim Strauss is part of what they call the B5 Alien Rep Group, which is about 12 actors that they had on set who kind of would play all these aliens. They took head casts and sometimes full body casts of them so they could play different aliens. And Kim Strauss was a very prominent one of them. He played um the lead Green Drazi. Yes. I love the Green Lead Drazi. Oh my god. He was hilarious. Yes he was. Uh, he had such good line readings. I just thought he was fantastic. I thought I recognized him, but you know, I wasn't quite sure. You can never yeah. tell with the makeup and stuff, but yeah. You'll see you'll see him again in other roles, but here as a Green Dragon is the first time he really shines and shows what a great actor he is under all of that prosthetics. Under all that, and it still comes through. Yeah, exactly. Like all his sort of uh yeah. <laughs> this is how it is. <laughs> Purple. Is something green. wrong with that? No. Yes. <laughs> tell, tell tell you a little piece of uh, of trivia from conventions that it was not uncommon in in the time of of uh, B five conventions that someone in a group suddenly would shout out green. Or purple, <laughs> and it was just erupt in green and purples all over the place. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a great thing for B five fans to get behind. Yes, <laughs> uh, because it's the whole point in this episode that it means nothing. Nothing, but it's just a great example of, as you say later in the episode, we rally behind things that ultimately can mean nothing, but mm-hmm. have so much cultural importance to us that we'll follow them. And for them, 
the green-purple divide. Just, just, but from an outsider perspective, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally <laughs> reminds me of the Dr. Seuss, the Sneetches on Beaches book. The, I don't know, yellow star-bellied Sneetch. I haven't heard that one. No? Oh, no. Anybody? I have either. <laughs> well, basically, some of them have stars on their bellies, and some of them don't. And the star-bellied ones don't get along with the non-star-bellied ones. But there's Sounds a machine a- that uh, somebody comes up with that can give all of the non-star-bellied ones stars, and so they all go and get stars, and then the star-bellied ones want to get rid of their stars, because then they're all the same as the other ones. <laughs> yeah, that sounds a bit uh, similar. Uh-huh. And also kind of sounds very much like the, um, oh, what's the recent movement, the whole thing of, uh, just because it's popular now, it's not cool. Yeah. I'm blanking. You know what I mean. Uh-huh. I'm just blanking on what they're calling, they're called now. Hipsters, that's it. The hipster movement is all about liking things that aren't cool. Right. And then they make yeah. them cool, and then it's like, oh, well, we don't like this anymore. Mm, exactly. <laughs> Only on this podcast can can you get a hipster drowsy connection. <laughs> <laughs> hipster drowsy. Someone needs to Photoshop that. Hmm. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, because it's like from the outsider perspective, these people are these drowsy have more similarities than differences, and you're like, you know, why can't you just you know, bond on your similarities, but it's like with anything, you know, um, the differences are what they interpret the differences to be and the meanings that they prescribe to the differences. And you can never really, (laughs) it's like uh, humans and, and, and aliens, they all have the same thing. It's like, they all have to differentiate themselves one way or the other, you know? So it was kind of interesting how they, and they, of course they did, um, contextualize, I mean, textualize that in terms of when later when Sheridan's talking, was it Sheridan? No, Ivanova was talking about to them and they were like, well, you guys have the same thing. And so I think it was kind of like showing how any kind of difference that you draw a line in the sand about, you know, is, is, Mm. is equally ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we're all more similar than different. And yeah, but we focus on the differences. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and the fact that, you know, they also, apparently randomly draw out the leadership um, scarf as well. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure there's more to it than that. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure as with anything, there's polit- political wrangling where, you know, one drives, he'll draw out the leadership thing, but then someone will bribe him to trade. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's not that hard to get it. All they have to do is take it off. I know, they just have to grab it. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That's fine. You be the leader. <laughs> yeah. But it was so funny. They did this in such a funny way because when she sort of put that scarf on the other person's neck and then all of a sudden that guy jumps from the back row. And <laughs> it's like, like, oh my God, this is so hilarious. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, <laughs> you'll be surprised. No, that wasn't actually originally in the script. They wrote that in because... Uh, Claudia Christensen broke her foot. Oh, really? Yeah, and she was actually quite worried during that scene because the stunt person almost missed her leg again. I mean, almost, you know, almost landed on it again. Oh. And so, yeah, when she goes on the floor, she's actually in pain there. And you can see it. Yeah. And you can see it. I just thought it was really good acting. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, Jam has pushed her to her limits. (laughs) Wow. Actually, if you 
if you look at some of the earlier scenes as well, she's shooting scenes where her foot's already broken. Like in the scene where she gets the promotion, she hardly moves at all in uh-huh. that. And that's oh, because yeah, that's her foot's true. broken. There. Huh. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, she does a really good job. Uh Yes, and it also gives the opportunity for another little character arc in the in the episode, which we will come yeah. to later. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. All right, so Beer goes to the Technomages in behalf of Wando and faces a huge techno monster, I guess, and um, eventually Elric turns him down. Yeah. Yeah. I was a fan. Sorry, look, yeah. look at him. He's... Scared, but he does it. Yeah, uh, he's more scared of Lando. He, 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 he's yeah. more scared of Lando. Yes. The other, the other <laughs> thing is, of course, he uses this "I am Yakoto" as a mantra to keep him sane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he does really bit of acting here because yes. I buy this scene from his acting rather than the CGI monster because yeah. I feel it let the scene down because. It, they weren't quite at the stage where they could do something like that believable. Uh, and it do, uh, it's his acting in that scene which conveyed his fear. Which, uh, oh, yes. Yeah, oh, it's yes. Out, it solved the scene. Mm-hmm. But then again, we see a sort of a mutual respect. You don't frighten easily. <laughs> hmm? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what does, and then it has a What does Via yeah. say then? <laughs> I work for Lando Morari. After a while, nothing bothers you. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. He's seen it all. <laughs> yeah, and one of the last lines uh, um, Elric says is taken straight from Tolkien. Uh, yes and no. Uh, well, it's it it, it it the wording is changed ever so slightly, but it more or less is, isn't it? See, he's a, yeah, we he's can't re- no, saying. Yeah, sorry, I was gonna. It's as down as a quote. If you want it as a quote later. Okay. I'm going to quote it because it's worth quoting, I think, because yes. I've Absolutely. got it on my list, but I don't Absolutely. want to say it too early. We can talk about it again later, can't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's a good scene. Both oh, of the yeah. actors do quite well. Absolutely. Yeah. Elizabeth? I was trying to um, think about who El- Elric, because he, rem- he reminded me of some, not, not necessarily his looks, but just the way he spoke. And then, and I don't know if it was because his name is Elric, <laughs> but he reminded me of Elrond from the, you know, how the guy portrayed him um, ah. in the Lord of the Rings movies. Sort of the way he speaks, and uh, yeah. I don't know, that's kind of where my mind went. A bit. He, yeah, I think he chooses his words very carefully. Yes. And that that's what you're getting here, isn't it? He mm-hmm. doesn't say anything Deliberate. like... Deliberate, yeah. yeah. Alright, so Ivanova's foot is broken, as we discussed, and um, Sheridan helps her rethink her strategy with the Drazi. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice little scene, this, really is. It's, it, it, it's Ivanova, isn't it? You see, she is. But early on, we're seeing it again, we saw it in episode one. Ivanova and Sinclair have a great dynamic. You know, it, it, they're friends, and it it, it you mean works. Yes, Sheridan. Yeah, <laughs> I was it like, again. okay, so I did I it again. Say he, he had a good relationship with Sinclair, and then I thought you were going to go on to Sheridan. I didn't. I know. I, at first, I did too, and then you didn't, and I was like, okay, he actually means yeah, Sheridan. Uh, I mean, they note it in the commentary as well because the actor said that um, 
off screen, you know, his lifeline to the whole series and acting on the series was Claudia Christensen. So that whole dynamic off screen is portrayed equally well on screen. And yeah, I'm just a fan of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like seemingly like he presents her assignment as this sort of minor thing. But it's like an almost impossible task to give somebody because it's like, okay, here, change their culture. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> yeah, it kind of echoes his statements. It echoes his statement to um, Garibaldi as well in the other scene. Um, it, I've got it as a quote, but it, he says something about, you know, tasks you're given. And so uh, that that kind of plays into this as well, that he's given this task to Ivanova. It might seem simple on the surface, but nothing ever is. Yeah, exactly. All right, so um, next, Fear tells Wando that he cannot buy the Technomages. Envy <laughs> yeah, runs for sale, according to Londo, though. Yeah, pretty much. He, he doesn't accept it. Yeah. Although he does have a, an idea for a new plan. Oh, oh my God, Londo. <laughs> Always with a new plan. Always. Yeah. And then we meet um, Lou. Have we met him before? Lou Welsh. We've yes. seen him okay. in a couple of episodes. Okay. He looks familiar, but I wasn't sure if it was like yes. on the show or if I knew the actor. He was like, the he one. He was the guy. Oh, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, Nick, go ahead, please. I was probably going to say the same thing you were with. in the last episode. He was the one that was that helped arrest. He wasn't the one that went to the office um, to get that guy, but he he was the one to talk to him when he was arresting him. Okay, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah the yeah. one that yes. offered to let Sheridan walk around the station for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so he is also wondering when Garibaldi will be back on duty because there's cake. <laughs> yes. I'm glad he's getting lines. There's, there's something with a changeling net. <laughs> oh, I know. And they mentioned the changeling net. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Where's the, where, where's the, the, what have you done to Lou Welsh? <laughs> the real one. <laughs> oh, that, that's a sign of old friends. Yeah. Old, friend, was, old friendship. Good. Uh, good to see that camaraderie. Yes. But it's also forced humour on the part of Garibaldi, I think. He, he's trying to present this front of, yeah, I'm doing fine, I'm doing okay, don't worry about me. When we've just seen, he's far from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we see Londo going ahead with his plan and uh, trying to manipulate Sheridan into calling in the Technomages. Yes. Hmm. Which I guess technically works, since he does call him in. <laughs> yeah, there's not much really to say about this little scene. No. no. I think, well, the I only think... thing I have is a question. So we're that is Sheridan's office, right? Yeah, yes. Okay, and it has that... Is that a window that's supposedly looking out on something? Or is that... What is that? Yeah, it's meant to be a window looking out onto um, the inner part of Babylon 5. You know where it's, all the gardens are. It's a weird are. angle. It's like it's almost like the room is tilted diagonally, and you're kind of looking down. Yeah, it's because the, of the because of the cylindric shape of the station. So, doesn't the cylindric part of the station rotate? Yes, but you can't see that inside, can you? So, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know the technical way how mm. this works. So, 
his office is inside the part that's rotating. Yes. So he's otherwise, rotating. Other, otherwise, he would not have any uh, artificial right, gravity. Right, because to get the gravity. But yeah. the whole thing rotates, not just the outside part of the... Um... It's the whole thing, yes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So you, unless you're somewhere where you can see the rotation going on, you're not going to notice it. No, right, I think that's, yeah. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, sorry, I lost my place. Here we go. Um, okay, the Drazi are starting to kill other Drazi, and Ivanova finds a room full of dead purples. Yeah, the purples don't seem to be winning, do they? No. No. <laughs> well, I like green better, personally, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's just not just because color. of the actor, is it? No, it's actually my favorite color, so... Ah, okay. <laughs> You're green. Yep, I'm green. If I draw purple, I'll be so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Londo gets to meet the Technomage, but is exposed to Sheridan, and uh, the Technomage is really not happy with Londo. Uh, nope. Not at all, Bugging someone's it's, office and <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a nice little scene. And, and then and then uh, complaining about someone else doing doing a recording. Yeah. I love I love that. He just gets oh, the yeah. whole thing back. <laughs> That's so Londo. <laughs> yes. You know he's really not very good at at this whole coercion thing. I think he needs to give up this political aspiration. <laughs> yes, probably he should. Uh, and. You do notice that Sheridan doesn't always smile. He can get angry and cross with you. Yes, he was mad. Yeah, he has a little bit of a temper. It's interesting as well, the little device that Londo uses to bug the scene. It's kind of the size of most spy devices at the moment. And, you know, yeah, you needed something that size just so you could show it on screen. But... You know, an alien device 200 years from now probably would be smaller. Yes. Yeah. It would, like, be in his, one of his things on his his clothes or something. Like, one it of the little like, look like pins a clothes that button he has. Or something, yeah. Yeah. Or it would just be completely undetectable at all. Unless you're a Technomage. Right. Yes. Uh, what did you think of the little hologram that showed the recording of beer? No. I don't know. I don't know I what it really it. had. I liked it. Uh, I, yeah, I it was just, cool. I just thought it was a nice little extra indication of the powers of a Technomage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To put it in his hand. Though we have seen that they do have holograms, right? Because wasn't the, um, I don't know, the pilot, um, he had a message from home. Wasn't that a hologram? Yes. Yeah, yeah, they do. But I think it's the whole thing of, as they say, you know, what the Technomage is doing, they're using technology and science to simulate magic, whereas the device that the other guy used was clearly a mechanical device or, or technological device that he was turning off and on. No, I know. I know. The yeah. way he had it in his hand was simulating magic. Yeah. The hologram it, itself, I mean. Yeah, so I suppose they shouldn't have been too shocked. No. Yeah, it's just like a more advanced form of it, I guess. And and almost like a magician, like you're you're diverting the eye and and just making things seem like they're coming from nowhere when you know he's probably got who knows whatever device that he's using. Mm, like every magician does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 
the thing later on in uh, next scene or two with the um, orange blossom. That's probably just sleight of hand. Right. Yeah. Except, except, where did he get it from? I don't know, but I don't think. <laughs> are we supposed to? Are we that supposed to a... be unsure of whether he's a real, like he really has magic? Oh, no. No. Yeah. No, no, I don't think so. But. Okay, because like, yeah, just like it any does magician, no. it does yeah. beg the question, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, unless they have some sort of transportation technology and another technomage was listening in and hearing, yeah. oh, Orange Blossom, I've got an Orange Blossom here. I'll teleport it to <laughs> He Eric. always has somebody listening in, like a, an assistant, <laughs> everywhere he goes. Boy, <laughs> being a technomage is a big responsibility. <laughs> You'd like, you got to pay well, attention. <laughs> well, well, let's face it, they had oranges in the hydroponic garden, so he could have got it from there. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, so um, Elric explains Technomages to Sheridan and says they are going away from the black and the coming, the coming terrible storm. Yes, there's a storm coming. Mm. You've been hearing this recently. Just a few yeah. hours ago. <laughs> Still, I mean, this group is specifically saying we don't want to be any part of it. You're well, not and using that, and they want to preserve their very specific knowledge that they have. Yeah, because yeah. even if you're not involved in um, major events like this coming darkness, you're going to be affected, even if it's indirectly. There's always fallout. Yeah. Uh, I, I, as I said earlier, I like the whole thing. Sheridan says about how to explain this station to someone a thousand years ago. Yes, I love that. And then Elric's response to that's pretty good as well. Maybe this is magic. The magic of the human heart. Alright, so next, Ivanova confronts the Green Leader, and he wants her to help kill the Purples. She does not agree, so they take her prisoner. That's so funny because... He's just like, I have this great idea. <laughs> Clearly, you're going to see it my way. Of course. <laughs> oh, cool. He's just so yeah. sure that he had this brilliant idea. And he's like, yes, and then you'll do this. That oh, was funny. Well, and Ivanova kind of does the same thing. Like, she thinks if she just explains to them, then they'll get it. And it's like, mm-hmm. mm. yeah. Both of them are being completely reasonable from their point of view. <laughs> yes. And there's a great Ivanova quote in there. Which I think we should wait with. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I also think this whole area is a green drazi stronghold that, yes, they might have their quarters and offices elsewhere on the station where they're one drazi people, but now they've split into two. They've got to find some random bit of the station to hold out in. Is that yeah, I really- guess they only wear their little colors every five years. Mm. For a year. They must. <laughs> for a year, yeah. I think if it's worldwide or, you know, um, whole star systems wide or however many colonies they may have, you've got to go for a considerable period. Otherwise, you know, you won't get the full result because clearly this is an old thing that maybe might have happened in one nation and then it spread to a world and now they're out there amongst the stars. It's got to be a year. It's been going on for a long time, for sure. Hmm. Uh, Garibaldi figures out that Ivanova is in trouble because he's awesome and goes to help her. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, and when he gets up, he's, he's selling basically a black box. <laughs> that looks like yeah. it's empty. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, exactly. That was great. I really just loved how he communicated to her, like, you know, are you here? Yeah. Uh, if, there's, if there's anyone here who needs any help, just yell. <laughs> uh, because I've actually been watching a bit of uh, Veronica Mars, it, this feels like a Keith Mars stunt. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. funny. It, it totally would. Yeah. And uh, then... Oh, well, okay. if we're going through the rest of this scene, we've got, you know, I mean, Ivanova's tied up, but she does some pretty good action just putting her leg out, you know. She, you know, she's an Earth officer, she's a soldier. Even though she's been captured, she's still dangerous. Yeah. Wow. Well, and, and Garibaldi, yes, he comes in and, and takes out one of them, so the opportunity is presented for her to take out the other one. So, like, he saves her, but she's not just sitting there helpless. Yeah. No, and, not at all. <laughs> yeah, she does a really awesome job here. And although her getting her broken foot allowed for this scene to take place the way it did and we get an awesome bit of Garibaldi originally Ivana was supposed to escape herself oh, okay. uh, so we would have got an awesome Ivana escape scene but it works better this way because they work well together and you get an awesome Garibaldi moment mm-hmm. well and, and before or after you told us that her foot actually was broken and that's why they did it this way I was thinking about this scene and if she didn't have a broken foot how it just really wouldn't work because why would she need Garibaldi to come and rescue her so I I like that it's such a a serendipity piece of serendipity that it happened oh definitely yeah because it it allows Garibaldi to to, to grow through this episode Mm -hmm. right yeah get through his doubt yeah, we've skipped over the intervening scene, I've just realised, because it Lando. runs together in one scene for me, in my head. Yeah, we've skipped over what's been happening to Londo. Yeah, that's the next. Um, so, Veer finds Londo uh, dealing with a hollow demon. <laughs> <laughs> and Narn Opera, which is probably worse. And Veer suggests that he apologise. Apologise! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lando apologize. <laughs> ah, and uh, it's a nice little scene. Yes, it and is. they mentioned Spoo, which oh, I'm gathering do. Spoo is some kind of meat, a Spoo ranch. Oh yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. That that's a nice little thing dropped in there that yeah. you can easily forget about. Ah, uh, you also get a company named Fireflies Incorporated. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I just got this headcanon of, yes, now that is actually a production company, you are trying to remake Firefly. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe even trying to produce Firefly-class ships. Maybe. (laughs) Except, if I remember correctly, Firefly is after P5, isn't it? Oh, it is, but, you know. Many, many years in the future. Again, it's a lovely bit of serendipity. Yes, it is. Yeah, I, I picked up on that too, and that was fun. All right, then we get the Drazi points. Uh, they point out the similarity of kind of their beliefs to like our flags, and um, Ivanova becomes a green leader and is going to dye some clothes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, that's uh, a, the, the comment about the rules of combat being older. 
<laughs> than contact. Yeah, I yeah, love I basically that got one. that as a quote because yeah, yeah I'm not completing it. Yeah, it's a nice little thing. Yes, it is. Of course, of course, be. The expression on his face when she takes the scarf from around his head was priceless. Sure. <laughs> he just yeah, was like, so oh? <laughs> "How can you do that?" <laughs> yeah, but he, he's kind of, uh, yeah, uh, don't know what to do now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, yes, and and the solution as well. It's oh yeah, yeah. Elegant. Of course, that's the solution. It's elegant, uh, very Ivanova, by the way. Yeah, because it it speaks to her sense of humor. This dark although, sense of humor. Although, how many people would be happy with their flag getting dyed and uh, reprinted into another design? Hmm. Um, no one, maybe? <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't work in reality. <laughs> but I guess they were really trying to show the ridiculousness of arbitrary differences. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I, I have to wonder whether she'd have to dye her own green leader badge into a purple leader badge as well. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, otherwise she <laughs> might be in trouble again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, oh, but it, 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 it's lovely. Uh, in a way, I almost think the drowsy respect her for it. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> for <the> creativity. <laughs> Alright, so Londo apologizes to Elric, and it appears that he accepts, but when Londo walks away, he still has some stowaways. <laughs> yeah, I think Yeah, what was, were they? A demon. Oh, demons? Yeah. And the other thing is, he was more scared than Veer to go there. Yeah. Uh, And the the thing I got was, this was a politician's apology. Yes. Until the very last thing he said, the very last sorry he said, he never actually said sorry. It was, it's regrettable and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the things you hear all the time from politicians when, uh-huh. you know, they want to look good, uh, but apologize at the same time. Right. I'm sorry I got caught, basically. Yeah. But, I mean, we knew that he he wasn't, I mean, he was just doing it because he wanted not to be tortured anymore. So Exactly. It was yeah. fair. Yeah. Selfish. Very selfish. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Self-serving. Yeah. All right, so Garibaldi goes back to work, and um, they discuss that he's perfect for the job because he's super paranoid. Yeah, another like scene in our hearts bar. Yeah. Yes. I like that he didn't, because he was having a crisis about himself, but he also wasn't sure, um, you know, necessarily about Sheridan. And I like that he came back this way because of what he did himself versus getting charmed by Sheridan or something like that. You know what yes. I mean? Like yeah. that, like he, yeah. And yeah, he could still be unsure about Sheridan. You know, mm. like we could still see that kind of dynamic between the two of them. Of Garibaldi doesn't necessarily trust him because, as they say here, he's paranoid. Although yeah. at the end they were bonding a little bit, so it, mm-hmm. he'll have conflicting feelings because at the end they were having a lovely little scene between the four of them. Right. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, there could still be that, you know, kind of distrust because he did have such a friendship with Sinclair. Right, exactly. And then Londo 
finally says goodbye to Elric and the whatever those were on his back, um, like, were not fun. (laughs) Um, And they smelled. Um, And Elric uh, tells him that he sees Londo's victims calling out his name. Yeah. Yeah. And another sledgehammer for you. (sighs) I'm I'm so sad because I like Londo. I'm like, just don't make these bad choices. (laughs) Are you beginning to shout at the screen? Londo, no! Yeah. Especially because if anyone was going to be, like, the major villain of the series or something, I would have thought it was either Kosh or Jakar, but Londo is totally headed there. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's really good. He's trying to do what's right, but he's making all these bad decisions. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, because it's like, he's he's not overtly villainous, but he's making so many selfish, misguided decisions that are costing people their lives and he's doing it so casually and he doesn't seem to have really much remorse at all. I mean, he may have a twinge here and there, but then he goes and says something else, you know? The thing he said last week about basically wiping the Narns off, Yeah, that you know? was quite a big one. Yeah. But we're back to the uh, to the scene where Jakar says to, to Catherine Sakai that no one hears exactly what he or she appears. Yeah, and there's yeah. so many layers to every character. Uh-huh. Um, in a way, I've got to wonder, is Elric trying to warn Londo here? It's... So maybe he won't go down that path or something? Is Elric I trying to he's... say... Yeah? Sorry, Elizabeth. I... Well, I was going to say he, he is, I guess, but he doesn't have any... I don't think he has any faith that any warnings will work. I think he's just sort of defeated or accepted yeah. he, what he, he sees. Li- he literally says, I could warn you, of course, but you wouldn't listen. Right. Yeah. Mm. But he's still trying. He's still, he still probably he's... just has to say something, but. Yeah. He has to try. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You've got to wonder how Londa's going to use this as well, whether he's able to get some sort of security recording of the two of them sharing words. All right, so the Technomage leaves, and then we get a Sheridan closing monologue. Oh, my God. Which I found oh. so cheesy and annoying. It yeah. was, yes, agreed. Well, it doesn't work, and part of it is because apparently they cut a bit of dialogue where he's actually talking to our Clarence in the scene, who we see oh. in the background, and here... But apparently he's talking to the tech Clarence at this point, but there's a bit of dialogue cut (laughs) that really takes that away. Because it just looks like he's talking to the camera, and it's like, really? Come on. It looks like a crazy person. Yeah. He's monologuing to himself. Yeah. It's very weird. Hmm. And the close-up. Yeah. Uh, I was like, he must be talking to somebody. He has to be talking to somebody. Every time he's talking to himself. People he, well, we know he feels, likes to do speeches. So. He does. It just feels like something from a stage play. Where yeah. Wor- that can work. But he's on Hamlet stage. right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, mind you, JMS has written stage plays, so, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll blame it on the editing. Yeah, that's... that. I guess that yeah. works if he was supposed to be talking to Clarence. So, all right. Um, on the cutting room floor. Yeah, poor Clarence. <laughs> I know. 
Uh, now we do quotes. Is that right? I hope yeah. I have this order right. We can yeah. do quotes now, and then we it's, can go we? to feedback. And we'll know we have to do human, alien, and ratings before feedback. Oh, yes, we do, yes. Okay, so, so quotes. I'm waiting for someone else to go first, because I don't want to steal anyone's. Oh, well, I have a few, so uh, go ahead. You go, Elizabeth. Well, um, my main one was already mentioned. Um, I'll just say um, rules change. Caught up in committee. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, you, you, Obama follows it up by, yeah, bureaucracy. Tell me about it. Tell me about it, yeah. Um, I have an Ivanova one. No, I'll get used to it. If it gets too bad, I'll just gnaw it off at the ankle. <laughs> yep. Yeah, um, got another Ivanova. Tell the Razi we'll meet in chambers and we'll try this again. As soon as I can figure out how to stand up. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And? Okay, I have three. I have an Ivanova one as well. And uh, where is it? <laughs> Just my luck. I get stuck with a race that speaks only in macros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is uh, the little uh, scene with Garibaldi. So you're perfect for the job because you're paranoid and compulsive. Or cons- compulsively paranoid. Who told you to say <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I wanted to quote the Elric thing, the whole Elric quoting yeah. talking almost. Please do. Not do. Meddle Please in the do. Affairs of, do not meddle in the affairs of wizards, for they are subtle and quick to anger. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, of course, you've got, his, yeah, you've got his other one as well, though. It's, yeah. as I, I look at one? you, sorry, yeah, you take it. Well, take this for the, for the little, what little it will profit you. As I look at you, Ambassador Molari, I see a great hand reaching out of the stars. The hand is yours, and I hear sounds. The sounds of billions of people calling your name. Londo asking, my followers? Your victims. Mm, good quote. It's, it's a chilling one, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I do have one last one, and I like yeah. this from um, Sheridan. The universe doesn't give you any points for doing anything easy. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a nice sentiment. Yeah. You All could right. Kick up. Sorry. All right, let's get to our human of the episode. It's between Ivanova and Garibaldi for me. As for me. <laughs> it, for me, it's definitely Ivanova. That, yeah, that's that's who I have. I have Ivanova first, followed by Garibaldi, and then I say, I don't know where to put Elric, because strictly <laughs> speaking, he's human, but... <laughs> that, yeah, that's what true. Okay, so Ivanova wins human. Yes. And yeah, definitely. Alien. Green Drawsy. Alien is Green Drawsy for me. I had Veer, but uh, I can I can go with... Uh, my green, like the green leader. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> green leader yeah. Drazi. Yes. Yeah, I also had Elric down there, but I just wasn't sure which side he, he was be actually on. on so. Yeah, that's true. They, they do state he's human, uh-huh. but he yeah. can't take no major order. And what happens when you join the order? Do you become more than human? Do you become less than human? Right, what happens? exactly. Yeah, do you, so, do, but yeah, do you green go, leader. Do you definitely. go into the singularity? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right, let's do our um, our episode ratings. And we go in order on this, don't we? I think, I think the guest goes yeah, first. Yeah, the guest goes first. Yeah, yeah. 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 Ye
Now we had two two exposition-heavy episodes, and this is a little lighter, even with some darker undertones. I give it uh, eight out of ten orange blossoms. Um, I think I'm next in the in the order that we go in. Um, I I really enjoyed this one. I love the green versus purple thing, and um, all of the all of the meaning behind that and um, really enjoy the techno mages. I, I hope that we see them again. Um, I'm going to go with 8.5 out of 10 green cloths and Elizabeth. Okay. <clears throat> um, I, sorry, I, I didn't come up with a rating. So now I'm frantically trying to figure one out. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, this was, Ah, this was a different type of episode, I think. Um, it was kind of like very divided in terms of, you know, the story. And I really, I thought the Drossy thing was hilarious. And, um, yeah, the, the last part, um, with Elric and Londo was very, very, um, I don't know. It was very powerful, I guess. And so, yeah, I liked it. Um, <clears throat> I think I will give it 7.5. Um, relaxing Narn operas. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, Ian. Yeah, uh, well, if this was a season one episode, you get so less foreboding. You, there'd be a lot less of the things I love in this episode. I don't think the Drazi green-purple thing you, you'd feel such a resonance for. And that's a lovely plot in this. It's, it's not just the analogies you can draw and it's the performances of Ivanova and Kim Strauss. I, they make this storyline sing and I'm a fan of it. I, I always love the green, purple. It, it, yeah, it's cool. And then the Technomages. I'm a fan of Technomages. It's such a cool concept. And Michael and Sarah makes it work. You've got some great other performances from Vera and Lundo in this. And, yeah. yeah, I do really like it. The only thing that brings it down a little bit is that unless you've gone into this seeing the rest of Babylon 5, you won't get as much from it. It's You're getting to the point now where you really do needed to see season one, or at least key episodes in season one. And although that's a great thing about Babylon 5, it's serial nature, it's so early on in season two that there may be people out there who aren't quite up to speed yet. And it's... It's not the episode's fault. It's this is the turning point. These episodes here, where it's becoming something more, and I don't know whether I should not mark off it if you haven't seen it before. But it's weird. Uh, I'll, I'll just go for an eight out of ten broken foots. <laughs> All right. Um, and Will has. Uh sent us some feedback, so we will now get into feedback, and we will probably oh, get his rating oh, system. Sorry, uh, before we go to his feedback and everyone else's, I must be got one last bit of trivia. Okay. There is B5 books out there that JMS has 
authorised as actually happening in the B5 universe. Most of them yes. are spoilery, but there's a Technomay trilogy of books. If you can find them, because they're actually quite rare now, um, seek them out. Because I haven't read them, but I've heard good things about them. Uh, and, I, yeah. I have <laughs> heard that don't read them yet. Spoilers. Yeah. If oh, you've yes. seen the series... If you've seen the series, no problem. Seek them at out. This, at, this, at this time of, of, of the series, do not read the Technomage trilogy. There's a big spoiler in there. Yeah. Okay. But... Yeah, if you, if you've seen the series and you're after more Technomages from everything you've seen in the series so far, um, and you want more and you know what's to come already, then seek these out because I definitely will because it's something every time I get to this point and I'm reminded of how awesome the concept is, I keep on thinking I've got to look for these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I, feel that same way because I uh, think they're awesome. I have them. I still have to read them. Well, right, so when now... you do, I was going to say, yeah, when you do, post them in the uh, spoiler group, your reviews of them. Right. That is, yeah. All right, so now we will get to feedback. And first we have feedback from Will. Hi, this is Will. Sorry I couldn't be there today, but I did want to leave a few thoughts on the geometry of shadows. Yeah, it was not the greatest episode, but I did, you know, like it. I did like the storyline with Ivanova, and just kind of showing just how arbitrary the thing with the different colors are, and it was nice seeing Ivanova get a chance to shine and handle uh, the diplomatic situation. Kind of reminded me, I think it was a Star Trek episode, is similar, kind of like where one side is black and white and the other side is white and black. I've never seen the episode, but I've heard about it. So just nice seeing how it's kind of funny at times. And the Drazi, I don't know, the Drazi kind of had an attitude. It was some good acting going on under that makeup. They did a great job with the prosthetics. And what I, what I really liked about the episode was the introduction of the techno mages. Um, I just kind of like the idea of space wizards and hollow demons and stuff like that. It kind of reminded me of a saying that I can't exactly remember how it goes, but I think it's something like technology, if it's so advanced, it's indistinguishable from magic or something like that. Um, and the actor who played the main techno mage, I like the way he speaks and his voice. I could listen to him talk for, for hours. Uh, I think he was an actor in some Star Trek episodes. And when he made the Lord of the Rings quote, I was geeking out like crazy. I was like, I know I've heard that somewhere before. I had to go look it up. But So yeah, it wasn't the best episode, but I really liked some of the aspects of it. My favorite human would be Ivanova. Favorite alien? I'm going to go with Londo, just because I'm not sure if Elric is an alien or not. I can't remember. So I'll give it 7.5 out of 10 hollow demons. And... Hopefully, I'll be back next week. Bye. Hey, uh, thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. Uh, thanks, Will. Uh, I have a thing. I have seen that Star Trek episode Will is talking about, where, where one is black on one side and, and uh, white on the other side, and the other one they fight is the opposite. It is uh, it is a similar concept, yes. Uh, I mean, do they go into the particle nature like this episode does, or mm, is it nope. treated very seriously? It's... It's not going farcical as such, no. Right. More, it's treated a bit more more seriously. 
which uh, actually I think makes this one better. All right, we have a couple of comments from Facebook, and I will take those. So Jason says, Basically, the idea of the geometry of shadows is that shadows can give you insight into the things which cause shadows. The physics concept is called geometric shadow. I think we're supposed to be considering the shape of the shadow Londo is beginning to cast. And I've always figured the Drowsy subplot was just an example of how the spreading darkness was ramping up the danger. Good thoughts there. And then um, Thomas says, Drowsy are dumb. Drowsy are very dumb. Ivanova is awesome. Ivanova is very awesome. As is beer. <laughs> oh, it's nice. Very there much. Is a bit of, <laughs> there is a bit of a conversation on Facebook, but most people are going to send you feedback, so right. those are the highlights. Yeah, exactly. And without just reading the entire conversation. Mm. Um. Okay, so who wants to take the email from Victor? I can. So, email from Victor DeGrant. This was a strange little episode that seemed to go in many directions at once. Slimy Lord Reaper discusses palace intrigue on Centauri Prime. Ivanova was promoted and proved to be not as good at diplomacy as she is at fighting, which is to be expected of a young military officer. The feud between the green and the purple drowsy seems like heavy-handed symbolism and really kind of ridiculous, but I suppose that was the whole point. The Technomages are fascinating, and I wish I had seen more of them. Not only are they interesting, but they also bring out the best, or worst, depending on how you look at it, in Londo and Veer. You can't have enough Veer. In my opinion, he steals every scene he's in. It was good to see Londo get his canopants for once. Now the proud owner of over 200,000 shares of a Spoo Ranch. And he's outmaneuvered at every turn by the Technomage. Garibaldi starts out with a crisis of confidence. When he is out of uniform, he like he looks like he's wearing prison clothing. But by the end of the episode, he's his, he's his old self again, solving the crime and have, saving the day. I really like the Technomage. Even though they can speak in riddles, like the Vorlons, they are much more eloquent. Do we have some foreshadowing here? Will the billions of people calling out London's name be his subjects or his victims? Stay tuned. I will give this eight Narn operas out of ten. Regards, Victor. <laughs> Thank you, Victor. Thank you. Thanks, Victor. Always. All right, we have an email from Lori and Carl. Yay. I will read that one. No wonder Heidi could not make much of a prediction related to the title this week. Even after recording, or sorry, even after reading the JMS notes on the meaning, both Carl and I thought it was fairly lame. Something along the lines of mystical math. However, we both did very much like the Technomage concept, and Carl is hoping that we see them again. As are we, I think. I am sure everyone was happy for Ivanova and her promotion. Carl was wondering how much more money she will make now for all the extra hassle. Sheridan did time it rather conveniently for himself to hand over the Drazi crisis to her. This plotline immediately reminded me of the prisoner guard plotline in Veronica Mars. I am wondering if Heidi thought the same? Mm, no, I hadn't considered it. Yeah, um, I don't know what that's all about. I'm still going through Veronica Mars. <laughs> You'll get there, Ian. 
I believe there was also a TNG episode with a similar plotline involving eye color or similar. As I am sure Ian and Will discussed, they had to work her actual broken foot into the story. I thought the scene with Garibaldi and his gun was very well done and expressed his depression and unrest without beating the audience over the head with it. It worked out well at the end to have Garibaldi come and save Ivanova due to his unique knowledge of the station. I am glad that he is warming up to Sheridan. Are the ambassadors yet? <laughs> A little bit, except when he does little... monologues. Yes, yes, exactly. We really did like the mysterious techno-mages, but Londo's obsession with them to get the blessing was a bit disturbing. It seems his path is becoming darker every week. What do the ambassadors think about Elric's prediction to Londo regarding victims and telling him he is touched by darkness? It was all a bit scary, but I am not sure if Londo was impressed by it or not. Of course, he was also plotting treason with Lord Rifa. On a lighter note, I liked Londo's new jacket. He must have two sets of jackets in his closet. (laughs) Carl's ratings. Human. Dude that told Garibaldi about the cake. (laughs) (laughs) Alien. Lead Technomage Elric. Rating 8.0008 out of 10. Londo's terrible stock portfolios. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Lori's ratings. Human. Ivanova for unwittingly solving the Drazi crisis and some good quotes. Alien. Veer for putting up with Londo. Rating, 7.5 out of 10, unreal techno monsters. At least I wasn't the only one. <laughs> yeah. Favorite quotes, in case they were missed, both with Veer. Um, Elric, you don't frighten easily. Veer, I work for Ambassador Malari. After a while, nothing bothers you. And Veer, oh yeah, this is the <laughs> the one about the currents. Veer, yeah. I believe that there are currents in the universe, eddies and tides that pull us one way or the other. Some we have to fight, some we have to embrace. Unfortunately, the currents that we have to fight look exactly like the currents we have to embrace. The currents that we think are going to make us stronger, they're the ones that are going to destroy us. And the ones we think are going to destroy us, they're the ones that are going to make us stronger. Glory and Carl. You're missing out the very end of that because we don't get the full philosophy because then he goes, and then there are the other currents (laughs) that uh, that's supposed to be getting because Thunder cuts him off. <laughs> I think the way he performed it was really was really well done. The way yeah. um, the actor Stephen First is a, is a very very good actor, and his facial expressions are often priceless. Yeah, yeah. The cast in the commentary was saying he was born in the wrong age. He really should have been a silent film star. Ooh. That, that you know, because of his facial expressions, yeah. because he's so good at his this physical comedy. Yes. But even here in this, let's take the scene with, with, uh, Londo and, and Reefer. Just him there standing in the background while, while they talk. He steals the scene anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Now it's time for predictions. And Ian, do you want to tell us what the next episode is? Oh, yes. You're ready to jump to the next episode. Episode four, A Distant Star. Mm. Well, at least. At least, like, that has meaning. (laughs) We think. (laughs) Well, you know, (laughs) not like this episode where it was like, okay, I I can't even anything. Yeah. Um, A distant star. Maybe we're going to travel somewhere. Maybe we'll find out where the, the, I don't know what they are, are from. Um, The the space spiders. The space spiders, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe like a, wow. Maybe, maybe, oh, this is totally coming out of left field. Maybe we'll be introduced to the a race, um, that, the same race that, um, 
Oh my god, what was that guy from Babylon Squared? Um, Zathros? Yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll be introduced to that race that Zathros is from. That would be cool. Yeah. Who do we think we're going to see in this episode? Because like now we're you know finally into the season and we had a Londo episode. Maybe Jakar? I don't know, I don't know, because I think we need to get back to Jakar and his trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe we could see some Kosh. I would like to. I, I have no, I have to not hold out hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would like to. Yeah, that would definitely be cool. Because he's had, I mean, he has he even had any lines this season so far. I mean, he was in an episode. Right, he was standing uh, there. I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure if he said anything. Um Yes, we really need some Kosh crypticness to keep us going. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm kind of taking it to another level by not saying anything at all. <laughs> exactly. uh, that's it. Do you think that um, Londo is going to become emperor? I oh, I don't know because I feel like he'll just mess everything up so badly. But he seems to be messing it up badly in the way that like he's just going to become more and more corrupt. So. It could happen. Yeah, and he could even wish it to happen, really. Well, yeah. He just says things and they come true. Yeah. I could see it happening. Yeah, I could see it happening. Oh, that reminds me of a post in the Facebook group that if people haven't seen it, they really should. The uh, Morden Genie post. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Anyway, I kind of derail- derailed you there. Get back to. Oh you. no, it's fine. That's okay. It's great. Um, so overall predictions. I don't know that too much came out of this one to to really give too much more. Other than you know, we still know darkness is coming or whatever, and and now we have this with Londo. I hope somehow that. Um, Ivanova being green leader comes back again somehow. <laughs> I love <laughs> like it helps that. her in some kind of capacity in the future. Like, like or... in the in the future battle or whatever when they're who knows what's happening, but whatever. She like calls upon the Drazis because she's still their leader. <laughs> she puts the scarf on. She's like with me. <laughs> that would be amazing. It would be like it would be like in Harry Potter where the house elves come in in the big battle at the end. It would just be like <laughs> yeah. We got the Drazi wild card. <laughs> so the so Drazi are um the equivalent of house elves. <laughs> I don't know. It just reminded me of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you pull out all your cards. Yeah, I mean clearly they're um I mean they're pointing us in the direction of <laughs> these shadow things are going to be big coming up and we're going to have a sh- you know mayhem and violence and screaming. Right. Um. But yeah, there's not a lot to add. Well, and every time we see those shadow things, they just kind of, like, slice right through a ship. So it's like, okay, so if they're, like, gonna come to where Babylon 5 is, uh, it doesn't seem that they stand much of a chance at all. Because they just, like, slice right through. Okay, you're done. Yeah, um, that's that's why I was like, why do they need Londo, you know, or anybody Mm -hmm. um, to ask them to do things or to get them to get their help with things because it just seems like they should be able to do whatever they want. Yeah. But maybe because we've only seen them, I assume, in the same location. So maybe for some reason they can't leave. Like maybe that's where they get their fuel or their, I don't know, like 
what they are. But um, so maybe they need someone uh, in other locations in order to actually get things done. But what? But what about when they? Um, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because because when they retrieved or they killed the ship with the guy that had the eye, that was because Londo asked. Yeah. Oh, well, he didn't ask for the eye back. He, he didn't. He didn't ask for it. He was just very unhappy not to have it. Right. Right. Okay. So they were. They did, were able to show up there. Um, That's true. They did. And somehow, little holograms of them showed up in Morden's. Right. Right. But I figure <laughs> I that's that. a hologram, so they would still be in like their original location. But yeah, holograms or some kind of dimensional thing. I don't really know what that was, but yeah. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. Hopefully. Uh. Yeah. I don't. I don't see a lot of size stuff happening in the next episode, just based on the title. But maybe if the plot lines are going to be like half and half now, maybe maybe there will be. But yeah, I don't really have much. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? I think okay. we're done. Okay. So oh, I think I, I predict that sh- that Sheridan will mention fruit of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep an eye out for that fruit watch. Fruit yeah, watch. the fruit agenda. Yeah. Yes. Please keep an eye out for that. Yeah, we, we definitely will. All right. Well, thank you, Yan, for joining us. Yes. Thanks, Yan. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back next time, and hopefully Will will be with us, because this doing the recap thing is way more work than I like. <laughs> yeah, Will puts in so much work into this podcast. Yes, he does. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, until next time, bye. Bye, struck off. Be seeing you. Be seeing you. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. Mm-hmm.